Back to Restless on this special Christmas episode. Thanks for joining us. I'm Father Joseph. We've got Lauren, Carmelina, and Javier as we are celebrating this great feast with you, the Feast of Christmas. What's your guys' uh, family's Christmas traditions? Because every family's got them. Don't all answer at once. <laughs> <laughs> They're still f- feasting on figgy pudding, I believe. Javi. <laughs> You you start. Um. So sorry, I was still. Thinking I was still singing in my head. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm still singing in my head. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> we uh, so we uh, my family is still very uh, Venezuelan, and so we usually just celebrate uh, Christmas Eve. Well, we'll we'll go to mass together on Christmas Eve, and then we'll head back home and. Um, We'll have a feast. We have this uh, dish called uh, ayacas, which are like tamales, um, which in Mexican culture, they also make um, Christmas tamales. So these are these are wrapped in plantain uh, leaf. Um, and the dough is, uh, it's kind of like a yellow dough. Uh, it's corn, um, but it's... Um, is it sweet? It's, it's made, no, it's made with chicken broth. Mm. So it actually has like an amazing taste. Um, and uh, then the inside is just like beef and chicken and then some people put pork in it and it's got raisins, it's got olives, it's got um, onion, um, it's got uh, red peppers. Uh, it's it's a very elaborate broth that you make inside. I mean, my mom takes an entire day just to make the broth. Um, oh, and then, hungry. yeah, <laughs> and then so it's good. another day to make the, the dough uh, and to um, clean the, the banana leaves. And then it's another day to kind of prep them all together. I mean, you can do the whole thing in one day, but it literally would take about 15 hours straight. So you kind of do it in three days because then the third day you put them all together and you kind of, my, my parent, my dad loves, he's an artist. He loves to decorate them. I mean, so they'll like, they'll get the dough, they'll, they'll, you know, they'll press it down with like a plate or something. And then they'll, they'll put the broth inside. And then my dad kind of, decorates it at the top with like a piece of onion and a piece of red pepper and a couple of uh, raisins and then a couple of olives and so whenever you actually do open it you kind of see that that's the very first thing you see and it's Mm. it's amazing it's amazing and then we have this thing called ham bread which is a bread it's like a cinnamon roll but instead of being cinnamon and chocolate and all that stuff it's it's um ham wrapped all around it uh, and it's got raisins and uh, olives inside. Um, it's amazing. That sounds really good. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And then wow. Christmas Day, we just we just put on Christmas PJs and open our gifts, and that's pretty much it. We don't really have a Christmas dinner, although now my my sister married into more of an American family, and so we'll celebrate Christmas with them as well. But Christmas Eve is where it's at for us. That's the big one. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Lauren, what's your Christmas traditions? Um, Christmas Eve mass. Now 4 p.m. at St. John's, which is super convenient. Growing up, it was always 5 p.m. at St. Catherine's and then driving over to my aunt's. 
Um, this year, our bishop just allowed us to have Christmas Eve mass at 2 p.m. Wow. Wow. Because of the pandemic, to have as many masses as you can. So you'll have two and four? No, we're not going to do a two at St. John's. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that, that's early. But so growing up, I was going to my aunt's and then, um, you know, Christmas morning, all the presents and everything, Santa would come and then going to my grandparents. And now um, people have moved and my grandparents have passed on. So my parents host Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Wow. Nice. And I do a lot to help out. I bet. I say it's a lot um, to prepare. And I'm the one that will always do like the cheese platters and the vegetable platters. And uh, I have to make a cheesecake now every year because I made it once. Like my mom's cousin loved it. And then um, his wife would be like, oh, is Lauren making the cheesecake? Like Chris wants it. I'm like, oh, I guess I got to make the cheesecake. But I enjoy doing that. And uh, I make a bunch of cookies to give them out to the neighbors. So... It's a lot, I gotta say. Christmas Eve wraps up maybe at like two a.m. Oh my goodness! So draining, and then you know, sleep a little or like clean up, you know, and then everyone comes over again. Um, and we do big meals for both. Uh, we do the seven fish thing. Our take on it, you know, it's an Italian family. My mom's side is who we're with, and then uh, Christmas Day is prime rib, which is delicious. You know, it's it's a really nice meal. So, lots of family. Yeah, lots it's a good time. That sounds great. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Yeah. For us, Christmas has definitely evolved, I think, as our family has evolved. Um, when we were still all living in Pittsburgh, we would have, my mom has five sisters, so each one would take a holiday, and then two sisters would take, one would take Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. So the whole family would start at um, one sister's house for Christmas Eve, then we'd go to another sister's house for Christmas Day, and... Then in the meantime, my family and I would kind of migrate to all my dad's friends around the area and we would just have these big meals. But now that my brother and I have moved away and my parents moved to Florida, it's just so focused on family now and when we can all get together because we just don't see each other um, as much anymore. So this Christmas will, thankfully, it's going to be great. We're just going to have like a lot of family together for the first time in a really long time. And I think they're actually going to make some sort of meat dish. I'm sure they'll do something with fish. And we normally go to midnight mass, but um, I hope we go. I think it's beautiful. And then on Christmas Day, it's just really casual and we'll probably have another big meal. So centered around food, pretty much. <laughs> centered around food, yeah. <laughs> That's the way to do it. Yeah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> you know, for a lot of people, I think Christmas is their favorite time of year. Mm -hmm. uh, is it your guys' favorite time of year? Why or why not? It's up there. I would say it's definitely up there uh, just because of the joy that Christmas just naturally brings. Um, although with that joy sometimes comes a little bit of stress so when it comes to like gifts and stuff like that, which I'm, you know, the closer I get to my relationship with the Lord, the less I like that part of Christmas. I don't really believe that we should be spending a lot of money and getting gifts and stuff like that. And it's like we're just contributing to um, this secular world that wants you to spend as much money as possible. Things are more expensive during Christmas. And yeah, you can buy stuff on Black Friday, but not everybody does. And I don't really do that. And so, um, I don't know. Uh, I, it's hard to say that now because I do think that Lent is usually now my favorite time of the year just because it's it means so much to me. Um, and it's usually the time of the year when I'm closest to the Lord and 
I crave that all year round. And I, I know we, we talked about it during our last episode that, you know, it, it, that time shouldn't just be during Lent, but that we should be living like that all year round, you know, but, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, I just always refocus myself on the Lord. So it's hard to say that now. So, you know, as I think all of us can acknowledge that the closer we do get to the Lord, like the less the gifts are kind of a priority for us, you know? So how, how do we like, how, cause I think gifts giving is an important part of Christmas. It's an important part of what it means to be human, you know, to show our love for each other, but how can we make that not stressful? For me, I, I pray a lot about the gifts that I buy. Um, I try that's and, cool. What? That's cool. Yeah, yeah I, I, I really that. do. Like, I'll, I'll try to listen to people, like people that I'm really close with about what they're, what they're interested in, what they're doing. And um, I try to get them something that would mean a lot to them and like shows that I was listening to what they were saying or I was aware of, of what they liked. And I think that's a really good way to do it. Um, yeah, so that's what I try to do. That's awesome. Hmm. In my family, like my dad for years is always like, you know, don't give me a gift, don't give me a gift. Mm-hmm. And we all are like, well, we were obligated to give you a gift. Like it's like part of the contract of you being our dad and us being your kids. But recently, you know, both he and I are just kind of like, we say to each other, you know what? I'll make a donation to a charity in your honor and you make a donation to a charity in my honor. That's a great idea. And yeah, and I think it, I think that works well because he's happy and I'm happy. and That's definitely a way to take the stress out of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, for me, I spend a lot of time, like Carmelina mentioned, like trying to think of things or paying attention to like what's going to be relevant or do something thoughtful or I might, you know, go shopping and get inspiration there you know, try, but uh, yeah, I feel obligated as well to get, you know, my immediate family gifts. Um, and then my mom is still buying for her nieces and nephews. And sometimes I'll help with that, but we're not at the stage yet where any of us on my mom's side have our own families or kids. And I feel like I'm just getting ready for that, you know, like, all right, we've been doing this whole charade, like we got to get it for each (laughs) other, but like for the next generation, that would be so fun, right? To have oh, like yeah. babies and little kids to be buying for. Yeah. But we're just not there yet on my mom's side. My yes. dad's side, there Different are tons giving. of little kids now, but not my mom's side yet. Sure, sure. Yeah. So what other elements, so we we're talking about gifts, but are there any other elements that, that bring you closer to God of the Christmas season, kind of the everything that surrounds Christmas? Yeah, I think actually, ironically, one thing that does bring me closer to God is not being aware of the true meaning of the season for so long has made the season so much more beautiful in the sense that like it it brings me closer to God because there's like a I think a special grace associated with Christmas where there's this collective joy and this joy because like even though December 25th is over and you opened all of your presents Christmas isn't over and to me like it's almost like there's now a true magic of Christmas as like corny as that sounds like people talk about <laughs> the magic of Christmas, but there is like a real magic associated with it. It's very real. And it's like the grace of God and to like experience that and to live that and to be aware of it in that season is just like mind blowing and just so such an amazing experience. So like, and I, and I'm, and I remember that when I was growing up and being like, Oh crap, like, 
December 25th is over, open all my presents. And then there's like this void that's right. created. The Christmas letdown. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, oh, it's over. Now what? Now it's cold. Okay, New Year's is coming. You know, <laughs> but now it's like, no, it's it's still Christmas in the church. Like, look what we just celebrated. Right. Um, and that just makes it such an incredible time that um, there is no more void once December 26th comes. Yeah. I don't know if how many of our listeners recognize that Christmas season doesn't begin at Thanksgiving and end at Christmas. It begins at Christmas and goes all the way to the baptism of the Lord, which yep. is usually around January 10th, 11th, 12th, that time period. So it's a good long time that you get to enjoy it while the rest of the secular world is packing up the lights and the Christmas music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, I think, um, justifies that people should not take down their tree on the 26th, <laughs> right? Like, I remember hearing people do that and I'd be like, what? Like, how could you, you know, like... I mean, not even thinking, you know, that the Christmas season, I mean, I knew it still went on, but not even thinking of that, but just it felt like so wrong. Like we should be um, in this time for more than just Christmas Day, right? Yeah. Like in the home, in the family, all of that be- beyond um, thinking about Jesus's life. But for me, um, what I um, always loved is just how the church looked growing up. Mm. It's so beautiful, and I especially love St. Catherine's, you know, where I went in Riverside, you know, Christmas trees on the altar, and did the priests wear red? There's like red, or red banners. Well, definitely red poinsettias. Oh, yeah, red poinsettias are everywhere, so there's lots of red, and I was an altar server, uh, so I think I took pride, you know, that I could be a part of it, like I enjoyed that, Um, and it's it's just more special, I don't know, the church is more beautiful. The music, I think, is more beautiful. At Christmas Eve, we'd have a trumpet, right? Like a trumpet in church. It's such a beautiful sound. It is a beautiful sound. And it's yeah. so rare. Like you only get it Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. So I, I love that. Yeah. And I still do. I, I love that. It just feels so glorious mm-hmm. in the Mass. I love some of the really obscure Christmas hymns. You know, because we hear a lot of, you know, the joy to the world, that's a common one. We started out with... Uh, our version of <laughs> Oh Come All You Faithful. But there's some that are like so beautiful. Um, there's there's one that uh, has this beautiful line, you know, um, afflicted by the ancient curse that doomed to death the universe. And mm. f- in the midst of this darkness, this dark world, Christ came and, and shone. And it was, I, I've just been very moved by some of the lyrics and some of these rich hymns that we sing during the Christmas season that you only get to hear in church because you don't hear that on, you know, Bing Crosby's. Hmm. Top five. And most yeah. of us are probably just waiting for joy to the world to come back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true too. That's, <laughs> that's true good too. insight for us to pay attention, I think. And it's such a rich treasury of some of the hymns that we sing at this time period. I don't know. Javi, what does anything about the Christmas season lead you closer to Christ? Well, I think this year, what the, the one of the things that I was thinking about is as we talked about Advent and then Christmas and then um, how it keeps going. I, I think this year is going to be for sure different for me because I think it's going to be something that's going to continue to kind of keep me centered on Christ. And uh, it'll be kind of like a way to lead into Lent. And I know I talk about Lent a lot, but Lent is very important for me. And, and um, I mean, it's when we celebrate our, our Lord and Savior actually sacrificing his life for us. Um and you know our hope for eternal life uh, with him um but you know i think i'm excited this year for christmas because it'll be once it's over it'll be kind of this continuation of like 
I'm going to continue into this season until up until Lent. Not not just up until January, but it's going to drive me into Lent. It's going to be like a beautiful journey into Lent, um, into uh, Easter. Um, and that's what I'm most excited about. It's like this anticipation that's already starting, you know, in my heart, you know, and it's going to it's going to be a beautiful journey and it's going to go all the way up till uh, Easter. Awesome. So God's starting something new in you. Yeah. As he started something new in human history when he broke into it in Bethlehem. We're going to come back after break and talk more about that event of Christmas of Jesus being born. Stay tuned. Hey, did you know you can take Veritas Catholic Network with you wherever you go? All you have to do is download the Veritas Catholic Network app. Then you can listen to the live broadcast 24 hours a day. You can also grab podcasts of our original shows like Let Me Be Frank and Restless and much more right at your fingertips and on your phone. Download the Veritas Catholic Network app today at the Apple App Store or on the Google Play Store or visit www.veritascatholic.com. And welcome back to Restless. Merry Christmas to all of you who are listening out there in this great celebration of Jesus' birth. So speaking about Jesus' birth, you know, it's perhaps one of the most well-known stories in the Bible. I mean, you have those little two-year second graders uh, you know, wearing the bathrobes with little towels in their heads, reenacting this all throughout the world on this day, you know, doing a little Christmas pageant. But, you know, when you think about it, what element or aspect or, you know, maybe a person or character in this, this famous Christmas story kind of do you relate to the most? And you can't say like Linus. <laughs> he wasn't in the original one. That's a tough one, I guess. Yeah. That's so tough. Because it's not something that we really think about. You know, it's not something that we really meditate on, I guess. is like, who are we in, in the Christmas story? Or who, who moves you closer to Christ? In the story? Or who do you relate to or identify with? Mm. I need a is that too tough of a question? <laughs> <laughs> do we need to restart this whole segment? <laughs> Maybe. Well, I don't... I can't say I, would, I can think of somebody off the top of my head, but the person that I would like to relate to as I get older and as I get closer to marriage uh, would be Joseph, um, for sure. I mean, St. Joseph, he he gave it all for his family. I mean, he, we, the Bible doesn't really talk about him very much, but the sacrifice that he made for his family was tremendous. I mean, like, and uh, just the way that, I mean, history tells us that men, during those days would have spent the most time with their fathers, not with their mothers. And um, just to think about that, the man that raised our Lord and Savior um, was St. Joseph. And, uh, you know, the example that we can have of somebody that truly, truly died to himself to love and serve his wife and his family. And, um, you know, he had to trust uh, completely that everything that... uh, Mary was telling him was uh, the truth and that, that, it, you mm. know, that uh, she conceived to our Lord and Savior uh, through divine intercession uh, through the Holy Spirit. And uh, um, it's just amazing. I mean, the faith that they both had and uh, the faith that he had to be able to lead his family um, through that and to lead his family through the desert and uh, to take care of them. And yeah. um, that's who... I want to relate to the most. I, I I don't relate to him because I, I don't dare compare myself to him, but I want to uh, be more 
you know, be more like him and in turn be more like Christ because. He has he, a pretty awesome model. Yeah. Yeah. All Christian men, particularly fathers. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Maybe this is me being cynical, but you know, I, the, I find parts of this story kind of convicting because it's like, who, who would I have been if this happened now? Like, would I have made room for them if I had a place, if that makes sense, because they were turned away. Hmm. You know, I think it's, it's an opportunity for us to take a, a hard look at ourselves. It's like, would we have turned the family away or would we have welcomed them? So kind of um, like the innkeepers. Yeah. 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 Um, but also too, just like completely mesmerized by Christ's humility. Like what, it, it just makes the vow of poverty taken by the religious so real. I mean, Mm. he came into this world as a child in a manger with nothing. And um, I just can't believe that that is is like our king and our God, you know? And it's so... You have to look at it with the eyes of faith. Yeah, it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And I remember I went on a vocation pilgrimage uh, in the Christmas season two years ago. And we had, I just saw one of the sisters and it was December 26th and... She just like, it was so beautiful. She just like looked off into the distance and she said, all she could say was, I am just so grateful for the gift of our savior. And Mm. like, that was enough. And I don't know. It's just, it was just incredible to like see her love for our Lord and like the experience that she had with him giving herself in that way to him. Mm. It's really cool. Really cool. That is beautiful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When you think about it, this is this is the event of human history because mm. all of our dates were in the year 2020 because it's 2020 years after this event right. of Jesus' birth in, in time. It's a pretty important event. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think as Catholics, most of us, right, would we acknowledge the importance, but you can also kind of set it to the side in a way because it's something you've known your whole life. So in that sense, it's like, oh, it's another Christmas I don't know. And I think we can maybe uh, take away from how profound it is. But uh, as we were just talking about, I think especially when you reflect on how humble his birth was, and you put that in the perspective of this is God who could do whatever he wants. And this is the way that he chose to make himself man. Right? Like probably Mm. no, no birth could have been more humble than this. And how do we all walk around you know, like how important we all think we are. Mm-hmm. And you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the things that we focus yeah. on in the world. I also think it points to how money is not important. You know, this is not something that God cares about. <laughs> yep. If this is, yeah. you know, how his son was brought into the world. Um, and we're just all kind of mixed up. We have the wrong priorities. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking exactly about that when Carmelina was talking. It's just how entitled sometimes we are and, our our world kind of leads us to believe that and to that you hear so many people that talk about like, oh, I had a very rough childhood. I had a very rough, I was born in this hospital and it wasn't the best hospital in town. And we forget that our Lord and Savior was not born in a hospital. Yeah. You know, that, you know, weeks before he was born, his parents were fleeting, like his parents were walking through a desert. I mean, it's like, it's, it's insane. I mean, it's just like, uh, it's insane that they had to leave with the place where they're from to go, uh, to, to go uh, have birth, like 
in the middle of it wasn't it wasn't really it, it was a cave right this basically mm -hmm. a cave yeah yeah in the middle of a cave i mean no bed just think about that i mean it's like and, and i know that people are worse to uh, are, are born in worse conditions but i'm talking about like our circle of friends you know sometimes we, you hear somebody say like oh i was born in kind of a low-end uh, hospital and <laughs> i was born in bridgeport yeah bridgeport's it, not bethlehem <laughs> but you think about like no. how how entitled and how privileged we feel you know that we are always complaining about things we're always complaining about the way we were brought up the way we and, where we grew up and things like that and it's like and i think that's why you know that's why the shepherds could see him and, and king herod couldn't you know herod mm -hmm. was expecting a, a king who would be royal right. regal you know and that's why he saw it as a threat to his power but i mean the truth is the, the people that were lowly like christ could see him mm -hmm. the shepherds who eagerly anticipated the revelation of god hmm yep exactly it's true i love the fact that did you guys know what the word bethlehem means house of bread house of bread yeah yeah and so jesus the bread of life born in the house of bread wow. placed in a manger a feeding trough you know like the eucharistic layers here mm -hmm. going on yeah. in this christmas story it's it's amazing wow it's amazing he's born to be our food <laughs> everything god does is perfect yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. That, that's what I always think whenever you're like, what? Bethlehem is the house of bread. That's how I felt. I mean, I, I knew that because I've been to Bethlehem. So so when you when you went when to Bethlehem, there. I mean, what, what were your thoughts when you walked into that, that cave? I guess it's now a church, uh, right? <clears throat> yeah, it's the Church of the Nativity. Um, I guess it was a bit confusing. I think this was the first day uh, we arrived. Jet lag. <laughs> in, uh, yeah, in uh, Jerusalem on January 6th. And mm. so went... I made our way over to Bethlehem and at first like the Bethlehem is in the West Bank. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, that's the dangerous part, but it's not really, it's just, you have to go through certain, um, it's almost like a toll, but you know, everything's segregated over there. But anyway, so you've got to go over through, uh, to Bethlehem. But I think, uh, our world here, what we might hear about that, uh, would probably be um, ridden with fear. Like, oh, you can't go there. You know, it's like all segregated and you can't get in. But it's it's not actually like that when you're there. Um, and a lot of the Arab people there are Christian. So that's another thing. So mm. like we had lunch um, and there's the um, the Last Supper is like on the wall, you know? So you're also like, where, where am I? So they're <laughs> Arabic, but they're Christian, you know, and they're not dangerous. Um, and then, um, so yeah, the Church of the Nativity is like, two or three churches that are connected. So first we went in to a mass that was happening and you go through a door that's not tall enough for like me. So maybe it's like five, five, the, the height of the door. So you go through like this small door and I've heard other people talk about this after. It's like, you have to humble yourself to enter into the place where Jesus was born. Mm. And I'm just thinking like, why is this door so small? <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, this is an important place. But anyway, so you go into the first, you know, it's like a church and there's also a seminary there. So there were tons of men on the altar. So that's another thing. You're like, wow, there's so many people. Um, and then you go through this other kind of a way, like things are all connected and uh, under construction and there was scaffolding everywhere. And then we went around a corner Again, you know, it's like cut up, uh, things are blocked off with the scaffolding and uh, tarps, whatever. And there's like a long alley and we just ended up standing there for maybe an hour and it was jammed with people. Like I'll say it's like uh, 
like, I don't know, 40 yards long, like pretty long and like filled with people. And we weren't told really like, what, what are we doing here? What's happening? What are we waiting for? Like, it was a bit of confusion. And then it got like more and more jammed and like the doors shut. Um, and then we're allowed into the next room, which is a much bigger, more grand, um, would it be Orthodox Catholic? Yeah. They have Orthodox, tons of yeah. the red lamps everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like very right. gilded, but also under construction. And then our line kind of curved around and then there's stairs. So you're like, okay, I'm getting to something. There's stairs going down and down those stairs is where the, in the place of the birth is. Um, wow. And uh, there's a star on the ground. So that is the place of Jesus's birth. And you venerate it. But I was a little confused because like, we just got there and there wasn't instructions. <laughs> You're tired. You've been waiting in line. But then everyone, you know, kind of bows down or kisses it. So I'm like, okay, this is important. And then the, <laughs> like, I don't know that they Wait, actually what said to know. us, it's... like, that's the birth spot, you know. But anyway, I got it after. And yeah. then right around the corner, they're like, and the manger was there. So it's like a few steps away. So you're able to be down in this small space. It's dark. You know, there's only a couple of people at a time for a few moments, but then they're shuffling you out the other end mm-hmm. so that, you know, the rest of the line can come in. And then something we talked about in our group is like, but is it really the spot? You know? Um, and I remember someone saying like, well, since Jesus's birth, people have always come here, right? They've, they just continue to come here and venerate this area. So maybe it's like not the exact spot, but it's very close. Yeah. And and that to me was also so special that for hundreds of years people would go there, right? Yeah. And then of course like a church was built, right? That you know, however long that took, but to just be in that sacred place. It's great in the Church of St. Mary Major in Rome, one mm-hmm. of the four basilicas they have the crash, they have the crib. Yeah. And that's another one where you're not 100% sure, but it does draw people closer to the mystery of Christ's incarnation. And so it's been such a powerful place of prayer. You know, and yeah, I'm sure it was these things were orally passed down mm-hmm. throughout the centuries. And so I'm willing to believe it until there's evidence to disprove it. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. And I would definitely recommend making that trip yeah. if you're able to the Holy Land and visit these sure. places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, of course, you probably all have little crush scenes at home, right? Like, like the little nativity scenes? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can't nod because people on the radio can't see you nodding. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you have to verbalize that, yes? Yes, definitely. Yes. There's nativity scenes all over my house. Mm-hmm. Do you? We have, a, we have a picture. We have another thing. We have a lamp that's a nativity scene, and they just so happen to be the exact same picture. Nice. And then my mom puts together, like, a huge, like, nativity scene. And what a great reminder of the greatest event in human history, other than the passion, death, and resurrection. Right. You know, that birth of Christ. And... So I think it's such a great thing to have that in your house because it's a it's a sacramental to remind you of what happened Absolutely. 2,000 years ago that changed the world. So thanks so much for joining us. Merry Christmas to you all. You've heard us on Veritas Catholic Radio, 1350 AM, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Here's your challenge for today. Go and enjoy Christmas with your family and remember the reason for the season, the greatest event in human history when God took on flesh and was born for us and our salvation. Merry Christmas.